Welcome to Speak for Yourself, Marcelo Swally, Emmanuel Acho. Let's get it started in Dallas. Where Dak Prescott recently said he's in the best shape he's ever been in, six-pack and all. Well, he'll need to be since he's leading an offense without receivers Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson Jr. Cowboys legend Drew Pearson said, quote, I think Dak will be fine this year. Question is, the receiving core has been depleted a little bit. So, Acho, have the Cowboys set Dak up to fail? I had to think about this one, Sal, and I came to the conclusion that, unfortunately, they have. Mm. Uh, Last year, going into the season, we all said the Cowboys had the best or one of the best offenses in football. Let's go back a year if we can. Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott was coming off of injury, so you knew he was going to be back ready to go. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he was in the best shape of his life. Uh CeeDee Lamb. Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz. We knew the Dallas Cowboys had a squad along with Michael Gallup, etc. But when you look this year, the Dallas Cowboys have one of the worst offenses in the NFC. If you look at skill positions, Mm. let's talk about it. You look at the Bucs, they still have Chris Godwin. They still have Mike Evans. You look at even the Philadelphia Eagles, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. You look at the Washington Commanders, Jahan Dodson, Scary Terry McClory. You look at the Rams, Allen Robinson, uh, uh, Cooper Cup, along with the running back Cam Akers that's not coming off of an Achilles injury. You look at the Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins, along with Hollywood Brown. But then you look at the Cowboys, and all you are left with is very simply Michael Gallup coming off of an injury and CeeDee Lamb, along with Ezekiel Elliott, who we no longer believe in. Mm. So I think they're set up for failure because as you stack the Cowboys offensive roster versus anybody else's offensive roster that's actually a a legitimate opponent, a legitimate competitor in the NFC, the Cowboys no longer stack up. And this is the first time in a long time that we can say that about the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I haven't even talked about the offensive line, which for so long was what made the Cowboys great ah. from 2014 to 2021 after yeah. they were drafting Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. That's what really made the Cowboys great. I haven't even talked about them. They, yeah. too, are now going to be more disappointing compared to future Cowboys teams or past Cowboys teams. Dak is set up. I don't know when America will realize it. They might realize it once the season hits and they Mm. see that Dak's numbers aren't as good as they typically have been compared to the likes of Stafford, Brady, Murray, amongst others. But this will be a very depressing year in my mind for the Dallas Cowboys offense. Oh, man, I think Dak is set up to succeed. Um, This is the setup, though. There is a construction that looks different this year than last year, as you stated. Um I think they're looking at Dak as like, we want more out of you, even though we're going to give you less. But in this situation, less is more. Because the most talented team in the NFL never wins the Super Bowl. All those super teams, Philadelphia had it like nine different times. How many Super Bowls has a super team ever won? Zero. I've never seen everyone go out in the beginning of the season. This is a super team, declare themselves a super team, and win it all. Wouldn't you say, I would submit that the Rams were the most talented team last year. The Rams? Because by the time they got Aaron Donald plus Von Miller plus Jalen Ramsey plus Matthew Stafford. If you keep adding in December, yeah. Yeah, But I'm saying going into the season. Yes, sir. Who said the Rams are going to win it all? We were like, Matthew Stafford going to give him a bump. He should do more than Jared Goff, et cetera. But there was a huge question mark around that, especially after Arizona waxed him. Everybody was like, what are you doing? Here's the thing. 
We're talking about this because Drew Pearson spoke on this. Now, I'm not going to undress Drew Pearson because he was a beast. However, in retirement, not so much a beast in terms of how he thinks about his Dallas Cowboys. You want to hear antonym? You want to hear some antonyms right now? I love antonyms. First of all, synonyms was great, but they showed me antonyms. I was like, oh, my God. Here's a sentence. Drew Pearson says that the talent receiving core was depleted a little bit. (laughs) Hey, Drew, let me help you out, big dog. What are we saying about this Dallas Cowboys team? They lost Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper didn't even have 1,000 yards for them last year, and Dak Prescott still was third in passer rating. Dak Prescott still led the NFL with the number one offense. Dak Prescott still had the number one scoring offense. What a receiver who was in decline by the numbers. Say what you want about Amari Cooper. Oh, he's going against the number ones. He was in decline by the numbers as a Dallas Cowboy. So now that opens up an opportunity for C.D. Lamb. We're talking about the receiving core. Let's talk about the running game. Yeah, Ezekiel lied to us and said he's in the best shape of his life, and that was going to translate on the field. That didn't happen. But what did happen is an opportunity opens up for Tony Pollard now to be justified in demanding more carries. That may work out better for the Dallas Cowboys. You see how this redesign is working for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, Zeke, you the man? Well, actually, Pollard's going to be our guy. Oh, Amari Cooper, you the man? Nah, actually, we're going to let C.D. Lamb go get this. Dak Prescott, we know you steady, Eddie. Since you've been in the league as a fourth-rounder Romo's backup, you are fourth in quarterback wins. And you told me that that's a quarterback stat. Mm -hmm. So Dak Prescott's like, dog, why y'all sleeping on me? I have kept this team in contention. No, we haven't won it all, but there have been other greats older than me that took their time to win it all. Why not Dak? What I don't think we can deny is that the Cowboys this season are worse than the Cowboys last season offensively based off talent. Oh, yeah, I don't on, think we, on, on paper, on day wood. Right, yeah. like Ezekiel Elliott is declining year after year, so we have to continue to assume <laughs> he will decline this year. Yeah, yeah. Amari Cooper may have only given the Cowboys 900 yards last year, but that is still, in fact, 900 yards. I like yards. how you round up. Like, what was it, 898? I mean, keep going. <laughs> um, 865. Cedric Wilson, number four, the fourth receiver for yeah, that yeah. squad. He was yeah. only the fourth receiver, but he was still the fourth receiver. The Cowboys' offense is mm. worse this year mm. than it was last year, at minimum on paper. Yeah, on paper. If last year the Dallas Cowboys' offense could not get that team where they needed to go, mm. at least one playoff win, yeah. then this year, knowing they are worse on paper, I have to surmise that they are, in fact, setting Dak Prescott up for failure because you're not getting better. You know what they say. You're either getting better or you're getting worse, worse. and not staying the same. The Dallas Cowboys have gotten worse offensively. But it's not so much the Cowboys that set Dak up for failure. It's Dak Prescott's pocketbook that set him up for failure. Because as you know, the more Dak Prescott makes, the less money everybody else can make. What was most mind-blowing to me was realizing Dak Prescott will make this season, I believe, more money. Excuse me. He made more last season than the entire Cowboys Super Bowl roster made back in 93 Mm. and 95 Mm. amongst others. This inflation for real. Crazy. (laughs) I love it. So if Dak Prescott is commanding all of this money, they just can't pay everybody else. Uh. You can't afford to keep Amari Cooper. Mm -hmm. You can't afford to keep all of these other high-priced receivers, high-priced offensive linemen, etc., because Dak is commanding so much money. So it's not the Cowboys that set Dak up for failure. It's Dak Prescott's bank account that is setting him Mm. up for failure on the field. And that bank account was active last year, you said. And it was. What did he make? 75 million? (laughs) He made 75 million one year. But he also went 10-2 in the NFC, Mm -hmm. best record in that conference. 
But that bank account was still active. And he also went 6-0 in that division. And they won those games average 40-17. to 17, But that bank account was active. You know, it's funny about the Dallas Cowboys. People be praying for their downfall. Just because it's so polarizing, I get I wore the star. People love you or they love to hate you. In this situation, you ever been somewhere where on paper they're not anticipating the greatness that you know you have in you? So on paper, on paper it happened to me thousands of times, whether it's like, where are you from? Ah, go to Columbia. And then they're like, oh, where are you from? Oh, you play football? Oh, I had to double whammy before. I was like, no, meet me. <laughs> know me. I'm going to get a 2.8 here. I'm going to be fine. But the point is, sometimes you judge a book by its cover. You got to read the content. The Patriots were never the most talented team. And Tom Brady, early in his career, was commanding top dollar. And then when Wes Welker and that situation, that dynamic changed it all, he started to say, let me take some haircuts. But people forget Tom Brady was making that dope for a while there, and they were still winning championships. So now I'm looking at Dallas Cowboys like, maybe the book looks different, but the content's going to be even greater, a better read. I just know when I was a backup, and I'm not going to slight Bruce Smith because he's thousands of times better than me, but I went out there and I actually helped the defensive end position in production. He, his last year in Buffalo, seven sacks. My first year starting after he left, Ten and a half sacks. Mm -hmm. On paper, you thought we got worse. You look up, we got better at that position alone. All I'm saying is maybe that's going to be contagious with these Dallas Cowboys. Opportunity is going to present itself to guys who are going now overachieve. But, Sel, you can be set up for failure and still not fail. And to me, that is Tom Brady. Okay. Um, I think about one of my favorite movies of all time, Gladiator. Mm. One of my favorite scenes of all time was the final scene in Gladiator. Final scenes, if you all recall, Emperor stabs Gladiator under his uh, 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 his his shield, his padding, mm. if you will, with a knife. In his vest, he he missed the vest. <laughs> Um, remember, Gladiator was set up for failure because he was dying while still beating the emperor. So he was set up for failure, but mm. he still did not fail. When you speak of Tom Brady, I would argue, yeah, Tom Brady was set up for failure several times. If you look at those offenses they gave him, Chris Hogan being a number two or number three <laughs> receiver. If you look at the offenses yeah. they gave him, he was set up for failure, but he's never failed. Mm. Well, he rarely failed. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Let me not say never. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I look at Dak Prescott, he, too, is set up for failure, but even when he's been set up for success, he hasn't succeeded Ooh. to the highest level. Ooh. We sleep on this, and this is what's Ooh. so mind-blowing to me. <laughs> Y'all do remember the Cowboys in 2016 were set to win the Super Bowl. Tony Romo in the 16, year, 16 games prior, I believe, was 14-2 and two as a starter. The reason the Cowboys drafted so high in 2016 was because Tony Romo got hurt in 2015. Mm -hmm. But in 2015, Tony Romo started Three and one. Yeah, they were rolling. So they were rolling. Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott walked into an offense that was set to go to the Super Bowl. Mm. Went 13 and three, did all that he could do, went to the playoffs amongst other things. But we have to remember, Dak Prescott was set up for success. That's what success looked like. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, a young Ezekiel Elliott, Jason Witten, De uh, uh, Dez Bryant, mm. Cole Beasley. Mm. That's what success looks like. This Cowboys team on offense, this ain't what success looks like. Really? Because if How? I compare that roster of 2016 to this roster, it's totally different. And mind you, the competition has gotten better in the NFC. Oh, it's gotten better on paper. I'll give you that. But they have to get better on paper. The Cowboys were 6-0 and 0 
Won 40 to 17 average games in their division. So y'all get better. Y'all need to. Make it 40 to 20. Make it 40 to 30. Make it 35 to 30. But we have to go down, and y'all have to come up. I respect that. But uh, I look at the Cowboys like this. You're saying last year we saw Dak Prescott make $75 million. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. But they still went 10 and 2, 6 and 0 in division. And they still had the number one offense. And that's with Zeke declining. Number one offense with Zeke declining. Number one offense with Amari Cooper going out there for 800 yards. Wait a minute. Let's dust ourselves off. Dak, you're going to be the same. And this offseason, you get to work on your whole body, your whole game, because it's not rehab. CD Lamb, no one's in front of you now. Go get it. And you were going to get it last year, but you were the number two. And I understand in part that could be easier because you're going against the number two cornerback. But go get it. And Pollard, we ain't going to get in your way anymore. We're going to let you go get it as well because I think the whole world has recognized that Ezekiel Elliott has something to prove. You imagine that quick remix and dust off of the Dallas Cowboys that were already the number one offense? To me, that's set up for success. I don't think that the Cowboys were really set up to win in 2016 for this one reason. Youth is wasted on the young. So in this situation, Dak Prescott's a rookie, Mm -hmm. but you got everything around you. But you are a rookie, and you're not a rookie that can take this and run with it. You're a fourth-round Romo backup rookie that all of a sudden you blink, and they say, the world is yours. And you're like, what world? This world? All of this? And it just took him time, even though he had an amazing season. That season came to an end in part because of Ezekiel Elliott in the playoffs. That season came to an end in part because they didn't keep their same formula for success. But don't you think... I would submit, and it's, it's unfortunate, I think Dak squandered his best opportunity. Meaning, Russell Wilson, we know his best opportunity. It was his first four years in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was when you had Sherm, you had Earl Thomas, you had Cam Chancellor, you had Beast on defense, and you still had enough dogs on offense. Marshawn Lynch was still hungry. Yeah. Russ went to two Super Bowls, and he got himself one. Yes. He may not ever go back. It's right. just how it works. Once quarterbacks start commanding top dollar, once players start getting older, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. I think Dak's best chance of winning a Super Bowl is behind him. His best chance of winning a Super Bowl was when Tyron Smith was young and healthy. Uh, Was when Martin was young and healthy. Was when Frederick was still in the league. Was when Zeke could still go get it. Was when Dez was still out there. Dez Bryant. Get all of that cap money on one position. Offensive line, interior line. Like You can almost have an abundance of riches that don't really maximize or materialize on the field. Like we Look at all we got. And it's like, but we need to spread this out. They had Ezekiel Elliott. You're right. But Ezekiel Elliott in the playoffs, I remember him coming against the, the Rams. Yeah, I think 18 20 carries, like 48, 42 48. yards. Like, I don't want to hear your name. Names don't win games. It's how you play. And that's why uh, Cooper Cup, who was kind of stuck at the middle of the pack with Robert Woods, forget the name. Show me the game. Now Cooper Cup can't go wrong. I think that's what's going to happen with the Dallas Cowboys. Somebody's going to say, I'm Cooper Cup. Uh, you, y'all have me graded here? I'm actually up here. I think, but here's the dilemma. The best days for the Dallas Cowboys offense are behind Dak Prescott. Reason being, they weren't putting that much salary into them cats I named. They were all drafted, and the Cowboys hit. Tyron Smith, first-round pick. Zach Martin, first-round pick. Travis Frederick, if I'm not mistaken, first-round pick. It's not like the Cowboys were spending a ton of bread on but them extensions. cats at the time. Yeah, at yeah. The time. Tyron Smith ended up getting a $100 million deal <laughs> after extensions. Yeah, but Tyron before. Smith was drafted 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, they just hit, hit, hit. 
for Dak Prescott to have a better offense now or any time in the future, mm. Cowboys can't afford to miss. You better hope that right tackle you drafted in the first round is a hit. Mm. CeeDee Lamb, he better be who you expect him to be. You have to hit on every draft pick like you did then, mm. but they haven't shown a propensity to do that lately. Maiden yeah. Van Der Esch, first round pick. Taco Charlton, oh, first round pick. Don't do that. Jalen Smith, Catch up. second round pick. Catch up. Like they haven't shown a propensity to hit on these picks like they was back in 2011, 12, 13, and 14. Well, can we both just agree on this? It can go so many different ways. Like the Cincinnati Bengals were in the Super Bowl. Huh? How did that happen? There have been great quarterbacks. There are great quarterbacks right now. Never sniffed the Super Bowl. D- didn't get there. Josh Allen has not been in the Super Bowl. Justin Herbert. Not even in the playoffs. And these are top 10 guys, top five guys. So Dak is in that category. Hasn't been to the Super Bowl. Not yet. Then there's guys who got there and lost. Joe Burrow we talking about. Then there's guys who've been there and won. But now it's looking like, uh, are the chances for you getting back? Patrick Mahomes as great in future as they are in the past. So wherever you put Dak Prescott, it seems like he's in the same conversation as all the great current quarterbacks. But they, so here's the issue with that conversation. Okay. Wherever you go, what there you are. There you are. Um, think about it. Mahomes didn't squander his opportunity. Mm. Mahomes has lost a honey badger because of money. Mahomes has lost Tyree Kill because of money. So at the point in which Mahomes had his best roster, he went to two Super Bowls, he won one. Russell Wilson had his best roster, went to two Super Bowls, he won one. Ben Roethlisberger, when he had his best roster, he went to his Super Bowls and he won them. Ben Roethlisberger did not go back to a Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, I believe after the age of 26. Mm -hmm. And he played until 38, Mm -hmm. but he didn't squander his opportunity. That Prescott, I don't think, is falling in line with all the other guys because the other greats, they capitalize on their opportunity. Herbert's still yet to see what he's going to do. Yeah, the The current greats, it's a whole different conversation. Herbert, Allen, like, are these guys ever going to merge through and and, and get there? Like, I know it's crowded at the top right now. And Patrick Mahomes, you can say what you want. Is it brighter in the future or is it brighter in the past? Right now, in resume and production, it looks like the past is going to be brighter, like you said about Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, et cetera. All I'm saying is this is a number one offense, and they had hurdles placed in their way by themselves before we talk about the opponents. Hopefully Dallas Cowboys can fix this and figure this out. If not, expect a tweet from Drew Pearson. Coming up is Jimmy G staying with the 49ers. We'll tell you if that will be bad for Trey Lance. But first, a former teammate says it was difficult playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Tell you how that makes them look to us. That's next. Don't speak for yourself. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving could both be on new teams next season, but we're starting to find out more about their time in Brooklyn. Former teammate Goran Dragic said playing with KD and Kyrie was, quote, quite difficult because the focus was not on the team, but more the individual performances of the individuals. Mm. Joined now by Fox NBA analyst Slick Rick the Buker Manacho. How do KD and Kyrie look at the Goran Dragic's? They, l- they look like liabilities. Uh, what we learned, Slick, over the mm. last mm. 20 minutes of the show is it's not just about the message. I got to ask myself first, who in the world is the messenger? Mm. We spent last block talking about Cowboys and Drew Pearson. I believe he just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. However, he has shown at times to be bitter based on his comments. So before we could address the message, we had to address the messenger because the credibility of the message is dictated by the messenger. Well, who is Goran Dragic? Goran Dragic is a co-captain twice for the Miami Heat, a Miami Heat team that has been in the NBA Finals 
what, once in the last three years that went to the Eastern Conference Finals this year alone. A Miami Heat team that is one of the most well-run organizations in all of basketball. So the messenger has been verified. Check, he's good to go. He ain't a robot. He ain't a scammer. I'm picking up his call. Now that I know the messenger good, let's talk about the message. Here's what I love about what Dragic said. He said that the focus was on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and how they did. Ooh, y'all got to listen to it. He said the focus was slick. He didn't say their focus was. What does that mean? He wasn't taking a shot at Kyrie. He wasn't taking a shot at KD. He wasn't saying that their focus, possessive, was on winning and scoring, but the focus, meaning us as the national media, was on that. So they are liabilities not even by fault of their own. We've had these conversations before, Sell off mic and on mic. Slick Rick, join into it. If you are hanging out with a celebrity, Slick, and I was uh, at church two weeks ago with a celebrity, one of the biggest names in uh, in all of the world, and... So many people were distracted. Now, the celebrity wasn't holding up a sign that said, look at me, look at me, bring me roses as I sit here in my seat. No. But just by nature of his celebrity existence, people were rushing down to the front of the church trying to bring dude flowers, throwing stuff on stage, trying to captivate his attention. No fault of his own just by nature of his existence. No fault of Kevin Durant, no fault of Kyrie. Just by nature of their existence, the focus is going to be on them, making them or the organizations they are a part of now liable. So I think it is an indictment on their existence and the liability that's associated with them because the focus is not on winning, but instead on how did KD and Kyrie perform. Mm. That is a very interesting interpretation. By the way, try walking through China with Yao Ming and not <laughs> avoid drawing a crowd. It's, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. I understand that interpretation, and I can see it. Um, and to, for full disclosure here, we're talking about a conversation that Dor- Goran Dragic had with an overseas newspaper. So this is a translation mm, yes. of a, a interview uh, in not, not here. So I don't know that we've seen any video or that there's any video or audio that exists of it. So we are having to parse the words and determine what they mean. But to me... Whether regardless of where that focus came from, it is an indictment of the last vestige that Kyrie and KD had to hold on to. Because Mm. we've seen them by their own hand be a distraction off the court. We've seen by their own hand uh, them undermine their head coach. But we always felt like once they were on the court, They were talking about winning championships. And if they were on the court, they were going to demonstrate that they could lead a team. It's why they went to Brooklyn in the first place. No. And what uh, Goran is saying is that it wasn't all about that, that it was about their individual performance for whatever reason or whoever was the instigator of that happening. And Kyrie and KD could only be part of that. We've seen with Steph Curry and other champions where, yes, the spotlight is on them and they do everything possible to make sure that that spotlight is not on them alone, but on their team and their accomplishments. So I can't help but look at this and see it as, well, we had questions. Why did the Brooklyn Nets not live up to their capabilities and their talent? 
And if it was KD and Kyrie, whether it was because of them or simply they weren't able to avoid it, that it became all about those two, that is the biggest reason why the Brooklyn Nets never reached their potential. Mm. Mm. Man. Ooh, Goran Dragic. I like him as a player. Goran Dragic, I've never heard anything bad about him. So it's kind of interesting mm. that he's going to now say something bad about Kevin Durant and Kyrie, which I just surmise sounds like normal superstars to me. Like, this is how it goes. This comes with the territory. But Goran Dragic is going to now say it, and in translation, it's going to come out as shots towards KD and Kyrie. All right, everyone, let's do this exercise. Everyone, as Acho just pointed out at church, was the Pope there or somebody? No, okay. So everyone knows at church that you see somebody as a superstar. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And you're doing that. They're not asking you to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you're on a team with a superstar, He's not asking you to come follow him, but you know that naturally the way this ecosystem works, he's going to be what you are attracted to. Everyone's going to follow him. He's the star. Imagine if you looked up right now and you had to see Kevin Durant and Kyrie. The first thing you see are their feet. <laughs> you don't see their head. You don't see their vision. You don't see their heart. You don't see their intentions. You see their feet because game recognizes game and Dragic, he doesn't recognize game on that level. So now the co-captain in the Miami Heat team, as you said, the other one is Udonis Haslam, not taking any shots, but he doesn't play any games as well. So let's talk about this. Hmm. One-time All-Star, Mr. Most Improved Player, no championship, Dragic is now going to say, hey, these guys got too much attention and focus. Well, how else are you guys going to win anything in Brooklyn? They have to get the most hmm. of the focus. I saw the Warriors team and Dynasty implode. Because they had infighting. Say what you want. They had infighting. Kevin Durant dipped. I saw the Toronto Raptors not embrace Ka uh, Kawhi Leonard and have issues and finally fix that right before the postseason and win a championship and he dips. Every championship team you want to talk about, Kyrie Irving with LeBron, hey, man, we went to three straight finals. Where are you going? The point is, this is how it goes. It comes with the territory. Mm. And game recognizes game if you own that level of game. You know, I think the problem mm. is we are – starting with a false beginning, if you will. I don't think what Gordon Dragic said was criticism, Sal. Okay. I don't think what he said was criticism slick. I think it was just a fact. You know what I'm saying? If you want to talk about the presence of somebody and what comes with that, it's not criticism. It is just a fact. Go to a club or a bar mm. with a very attractive woman. Man, they captivate all the attention. It's not criticism. It's just a fact. Man, all the, all the dudes that come up to us are only checking for her. It's not criticism. It's just a fact. So when I think about it, I don't really look at it as criticism slick. And here's my thing. I believe Goran Dragic knows how to get the most juice out of the squeeze, whether it's in his career or on teams he has been a part of. I had to go back and fact check. But the Heat went to the finals with Goran Dragic when he was there with the worst best player in the last 17 years. So they made it to the finals having the worst best player, meaning Jimmy Butler was mm. their best player, and that is the worst best mm. player on any finals team if you go back to the 2005 Detroit Pistons that went to the finals. I'm not saying won the finals. I'm just simply saying gone. So Goran Dragic knows how to be a part of an ultimate team because he's been a part mm -hmm. of an ultimate team, the Miami Heat, because they had no superstars, and they made it to the finals with a player who's only been an NBA all-NBA all player third team once in Jimmy Butler. 
So I love why he's saying what he's saying, because he knows if we want to go far, we have to be a team. That's the only way we can get to where we actually want to get to. So, Sal, I don't think Dragic was taking shots. I actually gained more respect from him in what he said, because what he could have said was, man, the only focus Kyrie and KD had was on themselves. Nah, he was just like the focus wasn't on winning. When the Miami Heat win, we don't talk about Bam or Hero or Duncan or Jimmy Butler until the playoffs. Then we talk about Jimmy <laughs> Butler. But regular season, <laughs> we just say, oh, the Heat won. The Heat were a one seed, and we didn't talk about them all season long. Like, so we probably did <laughs> under five shows about the Miami Heat during the regular season, and they were the best team in the Eastern Conference. But we talked about the Sixers and Embiid and Harden. We talked about the Nets. We talked about Giannis. We talked about Tatum. But we didn't talk about the best team because it was a team. And I think Dragic's focus is just making sure if you want to be a good team, you have to be exactly that, a team. Mm. Okay, let me, let me unpack this. Unpack. Because both of you make great points, but you also give me a tremendous amount of fodder to say, <laughs> no, this was criticism. Yeah. Let's not forget, Goran Dragic has had his choice of where to go. Like, he could go wherever he wanted to, and he went to Brooklyn. Why? Because he thought he was going to be, well, uh, one, he's close with Steve Nash, somebody that he came into the league with, uh, has the same agent, and because he thought he was going to be playing for a championship. In much the same way, when he was in Miami, that he thought he was playing for a championship. I do believe it is criticism because he had that option and because he knows what championship-caliber teams look like. And so should Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That's where, Marcellus, I'm with you, and then I got to take a hard left turn because they should know what a championship looks like, and they should know that it can't be all about them. And all of those situations that you cited was a result of becoming champions and then fighting over who's going to get the appropriate recognition for winning that championship. The Brooklyn Nets were not there. They never got to the top of the mountain. They were fighting for that recognition, apparently, before they even got out of the gate. And so that's where this misses in terms of those others saying that it's normal business. You have a certain amount of success or superstars get to a certain point and then that's just the, the order of business. I think Goran Dragic is saying, I've seen winning situations, and this wasn't it from the beginning because whether it was by KD and Kyrie's hand or whether it was the media or whether it was Steve Nash's game plan, whatever it was, it was focused on the individuals and not the team. And I didn't sign up for that when I had my choice of where to go and thought I was playing for a championship. That's why I think it was a criticism, and that's what I think Goran Dragic was trying to tell us. Yeah, for me, it's a thousand percent. Like, I am sold this was criticism, and I'll prove that in a second, hopefully. Um, but to me, this moment is Draymond's podcast in the NBA Finals. This moment right now, talking about Dragic, is the same thing that happened with Draymond's podcast in the NBA Finals. Because when you're disappointed, Instead of looking in the mirror, instead of getting off social media, instead of doing interviews overseas, instead of just keeping hush and looking in the mirror, when people are disappointed, they like the blame. And remember when the Warriors were down in that series against the Boston Celtics, what got the most attention? Draymond's podcast. 
And then what happened? They won the championship, and no one talks about Draymond's podcast. Goran Dragic was disappointed in Brooklyn. So now he has to blame something. He has to say something. I don't know why, but, hey, because Kevin Durant and Kyrie are still in all the headlines, people are going to ask them, yeah, you played with them. And your disappointment, what do you blame? And now we're going to blame the stars got too much focus. Here's a story about a star that got too much focus. Junior Seau, one of the greatest football players of all time, rest in peace. I remember one time our coach, Coach Riley, said, all right, guys, see y'all tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for workouts. And here goes Junior in the back. Um, um, um. He said, oh, eight's too early? Nine? Uh, oh, okay, guys, see you at 10 o'clock. And you know what? That did have no effect on the game, had no effect on the workout, nothing at all. And I have thousands of stories of superstars who always command that territory, command that attention. But this is what proves that this is criticism. You ready, Acho? Peep this, what he said. I played with some stars like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and I have to admit that it was quite difficult. To me, that sounds like, uh, in your analogy, mm-hmm. you were saying the pretty girl at the bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been to the bar with other beautiful women, but I got to admit with her, it was quite difficult going out. Cause yeah. Tom, you get it? See the difference? See, Tom Brady mm-hmm. used to have his own parking spot. Imagine if his teammate now comes out like, I played with other great quarterbacks and they didn't have their own parking spot. You're taking a shot at Tom Brady. Dragic, I caught yeah. you. And Even it park tr- sideways in it, taking up two more spots. <laughs> I caught him in translation, dog. He took a shot at these dudes. I don't know why. Coming up, Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas does not think the Lakers have a chance next season. Tell you if they can win another title with LeBron. That's next. Don't speak for yourself. The Lakers missed the playoffs last season, and according to Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, things are not going to get better for LeBron James' squad. Thomas said, quote, there's no easy games in the Western Conference. You're looking at an easy game? Maybe the Lakers. <laughs> Slick is back. But Acho, can the Lakers win another title with LeBron James? I have to believe so. The reason being LeBron James is a caliber of player that can get his team to the title time and time against Lick. You better fix your face before I fix it for you. <laughs> from what your parents used to say. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I ain't got no choice but to believe so. Mm. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, if healthy, they are the best duo in basketball. We talk about duos, KD, Kyrie, Giannis, and Chris, CP3. Devin Booker, JB, Jason Tatum. We talk about all of these great duos in ball, Harden, MB, but there is no greater duo in basketball than a healthy LeBron James and a healthy Anthony Davis. We know that duos take you to the promised land. And if AD can come back healthy, LeBron James can be on point. I do believe the Lakers can win another title. We got to remember, Slick, as much as we try to hype up this LeBron James decline, he was still a 35, 38-point game away, just one, just one more 38-point game away from being the NBA scoring leader on this season alone after being the NBA assist leader just two seasons ago. So he's capable of still being the best passer in basketball while simultaneously being the best scorer in basketball. LeBron James, as much as you want to say he's fallen off, he's still capable of being the best at particular things. If LeBron is here, not you for literally falling off, the figurative use, Ligret. So if you want to say LeBron James is healthy and AD is healthy, I think they're capable. Wow. I'm not even sure they're the best duo in L.A. if healthy. I might go with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George if healthy at this stage of their career. And you can't mash what he was a couple years ago as a passer (laughs) with what he was this year as a scorer. That's 
Why not? That's cheating, okay? <laughs> That's flat out cheating. Pick one. Because as a result of being a scorer and what he did this year, his assists were at the lowest that they've ever been this past season. And that is the difference in where LeBron James is. And to answer the question, no, I, I, there's no way that I can envision this in part because of where LeBron James is going and in large part because of where the Lakers find themselves. Yes, they won a championship three seasons ago now, and it has been a downward spiral ever since. And this isn't a movie where the pilot suddenly pulls it out of that tailspin and they go flying up into the stratosphere again. I just don't see the wherewithal that the Lakers have to do the, uh, the capability of doing that because of what the Lakers are collectively and where LeBron is. And LeBron is amazing at for doing what he's doing. But we always have the caveat at his age. Mm. He's not, I don't know where you can find the statistical uh, evidence or any other evidence to say even at this stage, if healthy, those two are the best duo in the NBA. And even if they were, we know the championships are won as much by the supporting cast as they are, and the coaching, as they are by the nucleus. And as I look at the Lakers' supporting cast, even if healthy, I go down the road and say LeBron and AD are the best duo in basketball at this point, I don't see a supporting cast that's going to be able to help carry them to a championship. Oh, I think they can. I hear you, Otto, especially your last sentence. With a healthy AD and LeBron out there, oh, yeah, certainly they can win another title. Man, I don't know if it's the pursuit of happiness or one of those movies. It it certainly brought tears to my eyes when you look at a little kid and you say you can't do something other than projecting to the kid. Oh, man. And the kid shoots back. Pursuit of happiness. You know, yeah, and the kid shoots back and says, why not? Uh Uh-oh. Now you're stuck. Why not? So as we're all former athletes, we know we always going to build ourselves up in psyche and ego to say, why not? And let's talk about it. Because, Slick, you said that, oh, man, the Lakers in a downward spiral. How could they ever return to the heavens and to that stratosphere? Well, Golden State just did it. And I look at the Lakers team last year, and they scored more than the Golden State Warriors. The Lakers team last year. Shot better than the Golden State Warriors. Those same Golden State Warriors, yep, that were tied with Memphis before John Morant tapped out, that were down to a first-year head coach and first time in the finals starters in Tatum and Brown, 2-1 in that series and found their way. If Golden State could find their way and their duo was Steph Curry and... Wiggins, I mean, Poole, I mean, Clay, I mean, Draymond. You don't think LeBron and AD can do it? The number one seed in the West were the Phoenix Suns. That is Chris okay. Paul and Devin Booker. Imagine LeBron James and AD coming down, and they're getting guarded by Devin Booker and Chris Paul. You don't think the Lakers got a chance in that situation? Of course they can. With Westbrook also coming back challenged, who knows what role he'll play under new head coach Darvin Ham. Point being, can they? Don't be that parent in that movie, mm. man. Mm. Yes, they can. Why not? 
So we're just going to ignore Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton and all the other guys that you were part pacer? of that Suns team <laughs> the pacer. that went to the we're finals. T- he is he is now, and as a result, the Suns are not expected to be title contenders. Right. So, But i got to ask both of you. Okay, so uh, you know what? I'll, I'll humor you or humor me. Um, how many years are we giving LeBron and the Lakers to get this championship? Is it going to be next year? I'm giving them two. Because if it's not next year yeah. – you're giving him two. Two, slick. So potentially at age 38, LeBron James is still going to be one of the best two players in the NBA. Why not? And the Lakers are going to rebuild this thing. And their new head coach, is, who's never coached before, is going to be a – I mean, look. Why not? It's possible. Well, yes. No, it's not even possible. <laughs> Just because you've taken – what? But you've taken so what? many extraordinary instances and mm-hmm. said they're all going to come together. It just happened. And what? Yeah, but you're but you're picking the best parts of them. You're mm-hmm. saying, you point. know what? The Warriors fell off for two years, and then they Lakers? came back and won a championship. Lakers. Okay, but they still had a championship coach that was running the show, mm-hmm. and they were able to add an Andrew Wiggins, who was essentially. Uh, filled, filled the salary cap position that they got when they got mm. Kevin Durant for free. Like, there's, there's elements that the Warriors were able to take advantage of. They fell off mightily because they were injured, not because they were bad. Lakers? Okay, so the Lakers fell off this past year in Injury. part, yeah. in part, but only in part. <laughs> when Anthony Davis was available, they were a 500 team. Ooh. When those two played together, They didn't have some winning record. So it's where I just, or some amazing winning record. They may have been slightly over 500. So it's, it's, I look at the West Mm -hmm. in particular, and that's the other thing. Boston Celtics are in the East, okay? Let's not compare that to where the Western Conference is. And the timeline more than anything else, like LeBron James needed to get it done yesterday as far (laughs) as winning Mm. another championship. They've gone... The way they've gone the last two years, and you're telling me somehow he's going to get better, or Anthony Davis is going to somehow become healthier. Like, you're asking me to believe in things or buy into things that I have no proof of, whereas, and never mind the fact that you completely ignored the defensive end of the floor, which is the hugest downfall of both LeBron at this point in his career and the Lakers as a whole. So, I, I love the movie Pursuit of Happiness. I love... Uh, people that have been discounted and they come back around. That's what the Lakers did in the bubble. I love those stories. But you got to give me some reason to believe that it's actually possible. And you're not giving it me by, by Here, picking and choosing I from got various one for things you that Slick. ended up I got happening one for successfully. You. Um, we always talk okay. about how tough the Western Conference is, but there's nobody elite in the Western Conference. I believe the Western Conference is as closed as it actually is wide open. Go back and think about the playoffs this year, just this year alone. Remember, we were saying the Pelicans were going to put the Warriors in danger. Then in the second round, the Grizzlies, many would argue if Ja Morant wouldn't have got hurt, they, they uh, excuse me, the, um, the, the Pelicans were going to put the Suns in danger after Devin Booker gets hurt in the first round. Then Ja Morant in the mm-hmm. second round, we're saying if he does not get hurt, he may have threatened the Warriors knocking them off. Then the Mavericks, we see they make it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, and we know how many weaknesses the Mavericks had on their roster. Anthony Davis, if healthy, is a top five player in basketball. At worst, 
No, he's a top five player in basketball. Mm. So if Anthony Davis, you're talking about a top five player in basketball, and you watched the playoffs like I did and saw, wait a second, the Phoenix Suns were almost challenged by the Pelicans who were a playing team? The Grizzlies were giving the Warriors a lot of danger and were a threat to the Warriors even though John Morant gets hurt? you telling me that the Lakers could not be a challenger and could not be the one challenger that makes it through the West? Whoa. That's where I'm like, nah. If the Lakers can get through the West, the Lakers are capable of winning it all. Lakey, hey, want some? we're not talking about them being a challenger. We're talking about them being a champion. Okay. That's okay. two different things. Well, you know what? They could give somebody a hard time. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, if healthy AD and but LeBron Slick, could give somebody a hard time. All it takes yeah. to they be could a climb all the way all to, to, to the top to of the mountain. is to be a challenger, Slick. You know that. All it takes, like, all you got to do to win the lotto is buy a ticket. That's all you got to do. Now, it helps you to buy more tickets than fewer tickets, but all you got to do to win the lotto is to buy a ticket. If AD and Braun Braun are there, that is a lotto ticket. That is a ticket to the playoffs. That is a two, three, or four seed. And if you get to the Western Conference Finals and you advance, I trust LeBron James more than the other. Yeah, boy. Everyone at home, don't go to the gas station and buy lotto tickets. That's a game of chance. Basketball's a game of skills, so y'all going to end up losing y'all money. But here's the thing. Uh... Public service message. Um, Slick. Yeah, also, here's another public service announcement. <laughs> These two live in L.A. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I could talk about the hypothetical Clippers all day, but they need to stay healthy. And the only time we see them healthy is at Paul George's wedding. They ain't never been healthy on the court together. Here's the thing. <laughs> Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors. You want some material? See, Slick, I love you because you always keep it 100. But this block, you're not giving me facts. You're giving me Goran Dragic facts, which is your opinion laced all in them facts. You said, oh, man, when LeBron and AD play together, oh, man, they were just a 500 team last year. I have facts that right here say that when both okay. players play, they win 70% yeah. of the game since they joined the Lakers. Now. Oh, I, I, I know what I just did, Slick. I ain't trying to be slick, Slick. I'm okay. saying in you, totality, yeah, it's are. only been yeah, three years. <laughs> it's only been three years. They have a 70% win percentage playing together. The Golden State Warriors. What was it last year? Last year? Uh, you said 500. Yeah. I have to do that check to make sure it's not a Goran Dragic okay. fact. But we saw a all team right. win it all last year, winning 65% of their games in the Golden State Warriors. The point is, when you're trying to build up your confidence, you have to take all the wins you can get, whether they're narrow wins or whether they're big victories. You got to let them all build up and start to build the confidence of this teams. My confidence is high in the Lakers in terms of if they stay healthy. But isn't that the disclaimer for every single team out there? Like the Golden State Warriors couldn't get right because they couldn't stay healthy. Once they were healthy, Golden State Warriors were able to live up to what their potential was. To me, it looks the same way in Los Angeles. It's a huge if, and it's not based on LeBron and his birth certificate. It's actually based on Anthony Davis and what he does in this offseason that translates into the season. So you tell me they can't. I still haven't heard why. I think they can. Okay. Uh, what have we seen of uh, Anthony Davis and what he's doing during the offseason? It's quiet, they said. I mean, we've seen a video clip of him lethal shooter. working on his shot. Yeah, doing a promo for his shooting coach. But we also heard that he hadn't touched a ball since April. Like, are we seeing anything that mm. makes you guys believe, oh, you know what, AD's coming back with fire? Because this is the thing. 
This is the one thing you are missing, and here's a fact. You still get it with Clay Thompson videos to this day. The Warriors had something to prove. Mm -hmm. Everybody mm -hmm. counted them out, and they had something to prove. In the same way the Lakers, when they won the championship in the bubble, after the previous season, they came back with something to prove. And then they added players like Dwight Howard and Danny Green, who had something to prove. The Lakers haven't demonstrated the last two years that they have any desire to prove anything. That they play like, look, they made the play-in and it got run by the Phoenix Suns in the first round. <laughs> that they come back and they were saying, you know, the only reason we lost is because Anthony Davis was hurt. Anthony Davis is saying that. And did they come back last year? as if they were playing like they had something to prove? Even when healthy, did they look like a team that was breathing fire like the Golden State Warriors were at every given opportunity? That is the ultimate reason why I look at these Lakers. And I can't just look and say, you know what, the talent, if the talent's right and if it's there, they're going to win it. It's because I don't see the mentality or the attitude of a team that wants to pull it out of this tailspin and say, oh, you know what? You all discounted us. We're going to show you different. You guys believe it can happen. I believe it can happen. I'm not convinced that the Lakers believe it can happen. And that's my biggest reason for mm. saying I don't see LeBron James winning another championship. Hey, I ain't see these clay videos you talking about. Uh, you saying it sounds like presently he's still making these videos saying this is yesterday. why y'all counted. Oh, he's oh still, yesterday? He's still... Uh, Everybody who doubted us, okay. everybody who doubted okay. us, man, they are okay. still yeah, wearing yeah. it. Yeah. They are still hurting them. And Steph yeah. responded, that's my dog. Yeah, I love my job. Um, that's that BS. Um, when KD left, you know that? They doubted the Warriors. When KD left, they were like, y'all can't do it without KD. Like, the doubt was there from then to now. It just finally they got over the hump and they won it all. Here's the funny thing about when people doubt you and count you out. They were injured. Oh, no, no, no. Let me, here we go. See, here's another disclaimer. The rich get richer in this world. The, the talent, you know, the talented win. And the poor get poorer in this world. Those who are struggling struggle even more. You don't want to know why? Because when you have all of this abundance of talent, like the Lakers do, you have the potential to do things. You can actually win a title. But there are some teams out there, we're not going to name them right now, they don't even have a chance. So who gets doubted? Who gets counted out more? The rich or the poor? The poor, the mm. talented not. And guess what? They have no shot. So, Slick, what you're trying to do is rig how this world works. In this situation, simply, you just got to say the Lakers can win a title because they actually have that much talent. And if they stay healthy, just like the Warriors did, LeBron and AD next offseason, they can make some clay videos as well. <laughs> Coming up, Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill, but we'll tell you if the Chiefs' demise has been overhyped. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Come on, Slick. I could list another. Patrick Mahomes will not be throwing to Tyreek Hill this season, but safety Justin Reed is not worried about a drop-off saying, quote, the Chiefs offense is going to do what we always do. We're going to come out. We're going to put up 100 points. We have the greatest football quarterback in the game. So, I tell has the Chiefs' demise been overhyped? Not at all. Uh, the Chiefs' demise is real. And, you know, Ooh. I was riding for the Chiefs two years ago Ooh. when they said they were going to win five, six, and seven. You was checking your boy like, come on, Nacho, it's a wrap. Mm. And then I finally got on the bandwagon. You may have got off. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. But y'all have to understand this. Of the AFC playoff teams last year, 
I would submit five of the seven have gotten better or at least stayed the same. Yeah, when I look at them AFC playoff teams, I'm like, yo, the Bills, at a minimum, stayed the same. Bengals definitely got better. Ravens not even made the playoffs last year. They have gotten better because they will get healthier. When you start to look at who the competition is for the Chiefs, Raiders got better. Chargers didn't even make the playoffs, got significantly better. I'm like, hey, now, Chiefs, y'all in trouble. The only competitive team in the AFC that got worse outside of the Chiefs, in my opinion, the Titans, because they lost A.J. Brown. Mm -hmm. But everybody else, the Colts, I believe they'll have a better quarterback based on play in Matt Ryan this year. Like we just said, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Browns, everybody in the AFC, the Denver Broncos have gotten better, and the Chiefs have clearly got worse. There's no way to slice it to argue that the Chiefs have gotten better. Mm. When you lose Tyreek Hill, who is a five- or six-time Pro Bowl caliber player, you get worse. So if the Chiefs have gotten worse, Sell, and everybody competitive, I'm not talking about the bottom of the AFC. I'm not talking about the Houston Texans. Everybody competitive got better? Mm. Oh, it's going to be hard for the Chiefs this year, big dog. Ah, man. I think that the Chiefs' demise has been severely overhyped. And here's why. I think that people think that this system has been built on Patrick Mahomes. It's built on the creativity of Andy Reid, who I used to play against when he was the coach of the Eagles. And I used to have my eyeballs split in two different directions saying, what the hell was that he just ran? And remember those years when he was in Philadelphia? He didn't have star receivers. T.O. came at the end. They went to the Super Bowl. But the foundation of this system is not based on his quarterback or it's not based on its receivers. It's based on Andy Reid's creativity. Remember names like James Thrash and Todd Pinkston? I mean, I ain't slighting these dudes, but come on. Like, he made it work with those dudes. And guess what? He's been able to make it work without Tyreek Hill in some of the games with the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's go back to last year. Passer rating of Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill, 104. But everybody else, Hartman, Pringle, Robinson, 110. Uh-oh, with Kelsey, 112. That's just last year. They went 3-1 and in 2019 when they won the Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. And they scored more points without Tyreek Hill. To me, the foundation of this house is boring like every other house. You drive through a neighborhood, you're seeing a house constructed, boring, boring, boring. You're waiting for the finishes to come up. Then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you say, ah, everyone forgot. This was a team in the playoffs before even Patrick Mahomes sure. got there. And that was because Andy Reid was able to do something with Alex Smith and this roster. Patrick Mahomes is amazing. He's great. He's all that. But add him to Andy Reid, you always have championship contention. You always have a chance for that. Success. I love what you're saying. I don't think you're wrong. I just think you and I are looking at the same thing from different vantage points. Let's go. Um, when Andy Reid went to Philadelphia, the Eagles did not have Super Bowl expectations. No. Coming off of head coach Ray Rhodes, they had not made it to the playoffs two years prior to Andy Reid. Then they go to a conference championship, divisional round, conference championship, conference championship, Super Bowl. Woo. Lost, 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 lost. Then they missed the playoffs, losing the division. Why am I bringing that up? I don't want to bore you all. I don't care as much about statistics. But if the Chiefs were to now have that same Andy Reid trajectory from 2000 to 2010, that would be a demise. Mm. Because now the Eagles have gone, now the Chiefs have gone to Super Bowl and won. Mm. Andy Reid never won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. No. He only went. So that was a peak. No. Now going to the Super Bowl and losing is a loss for the Chiefs. So, 
You said Andy Reid made it work in Philly. We have to clarify what making it work looks like. Because if the Chiefs lose the conference championship, lose the conference championship, lose the conference championship, losing the divisional round, that's not making it work compared to what they've done now. But Andy Reid back then, Mm, mm. that was ecstatic. They Mm. were ecstatic. That was making it work. So I'm simply saying even if the Chiefs have the same result, I will look at it as a, I will look at it as a demise where it seems like you might look at it as a success. Man, you ain't got no love for Mr. Pump Pass and Kick Andy Reid himself. Boy, you see them videos of him when he was like 12? Gigantic. <laughs> he was a big little kid. Anyone? Pump Pass and Kick Championships. Here we go. Tell me if this is making it work. 2019 when they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They won the Super Bowl. They had four receivers on there. Demarcus Robinson had 449 that year. Mm-hmm. They won it. They won it all. This is making it work, Andy Reid. 538, Hartman. Sammy Walken, 673. Tyreek Hill, 860. Dog, Andy, I'm telling you, my eyes just to do this. I'm like, what the hell is Andy Reid out here doing? And now you gave him the cherry on top of all cherries and Patrick Mahomes? He just, I don't know why, his system has never needed that type of echelon receiver. But But when they got him, they went to the Super Bowl even though they lost. With a broken leg. If the Chiefs go to a conference championship and lose again, is that a success to you? Yeah. This year, not... If, if Tyreek Hill was on the roster, I would say no. But losing Tyreek Hill and still being at that same level that they were last year, remember last year, second half, mm-hmm. they lose it. In overtime, they lose the game. But if they get back to that level, that's five straight AFC championship games. You slighting that? I think it's a demise. The reason being, I think the Chiefs have Super Bowl or bust expectations yeah, yeah. because they said yeah, they yeah. want to win five, six, seven, and because you have the greatest quarterback talent-wise maybe the game's ever seen. So I think we're just looking at the yeah. same thing, calling it different things, mm. but I just know the Chiefs' expectations mm. sky high. Big yeah, they are. If UT went to the Final Four, is that good? That's huge. I don't okay, think they've so. been once. Okay, Final Four. Kevin Durant only until Elite Eight. He only got the Elite, Elite Eight. Eight? Damn. Maybe sweet. What goes around comes around, KD. Damn. <laughs> Coming up, which All-Star would you rather have for the next four years? Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant, speaking of the devil. We'll answer that next on Speak for Yourself. To celebrate the MLB All-Star Game, Big Poppy is guaranteeing $100,000 of his money will be won on the Fox Bet Super 6 app. Scan the QR code, download the app, and enter your picks into the MLB All-Star Contest for your free chance to win. The Jazz are reportedly listening to trade offers for Donovan Mitchell. We all know Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn. KD, 12-time All-Star, 33 years old. While on the other side, Spider, three-time All-Star, 25 years old. Slick is back, but I choke. Would you rather have Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant for the next four years? Because you said four years, give me Spidey Mitchell. Um, if you were talking just one year, obviously, give me KD. One year, KD, I might be able to get myself to a championship. But when you're talking about four years and you're talking about Spidey Mitchell being 29 years old while KD is pushing 38 years old, you're talking about KD, who already has 10 years of NBA basketball on his legs coming into the NBA in 2007 as opposed to Spidey in 17. So as I look at it, Give me Spidey because you're talking four years. Something that's mind-blowing before y'all take to Twitter or take to Snapchat or TikTok. Remember, Spidey is eighth in NBA history in playoff points per game, 28.4. Obviously, Kevin Durant is fourth with 29.4. But if you're telling me the difference as it stands right now in playoff points per game is one point and Spidey is 10 years younger, relatively speaking, I would take Spidey Mm. Mitchell 
for the next four years. You telling me one or two years? KD, absolutely. You telling me four? I got to take Spidey, Sal. So this is what I'm telling you, Emmy, that I will take Kevin Durant at the height of his powers for two years versus whatever Donovan Mitchell can give me for four. Because I have seen the best of Kevin Durant. And based on, look, he made uh, all NBA first or second team nine years in a row. And then he blew out his Achilles. And then what did he do this year? He was all NBA second team again. So the case that uh, KD has come back from that Achilles tendon and is as good as he's ever been has been made by him. And I look at what he is at 6'10", his ability to score. Uh, yes, when we come individual scoring, Donovan Mitchell is, uh, is on the board. When we talk about overall accomplishments and where Kevin Durant has gone, whether it was in Oklahoma City or Golden State, Donovan Mitchell's only been to the second round twice. Now, I give him credit for his career. The fact that he's been to the playoffs every year says something. But he hasn't been able to get that far. And what really concerns me is he's a 6'1 combo guard. Mm. KD is a 6'10 whatever you need him to be. <laughs> and I just haven't seen enough drop-off with the age. You, you got to the crux of it, Emmy. It is a matter of the age and what they have left. But I know what Kevin Durant at his best gives me. And the best that I've seen from Donovan Mitchell, uh, who has never made an all-NBA team, doesn't come close to that. Yeah, it doesn't points? come close, man. Donovan Mitchell, points? he's a beast. He's a beast. He's a spider, too but he's not a Durantula. Like, what the <laughs> hell are we doing? Come and, on over. Yeah. Come on and over, Marcellus. Like, like, KD, give me for the next five, ten years, I may even go that far, but certainly the next four years because you said he'll be 38. LeBron James is proving right now at that age you can still ball out. And Kevin Durant versus Spider Mitchell is still balling out. What is the point of accomplishing anything in this world if people ain't going to give you your props? And KD got to be sitting there like, y'all got me in conversations with Donovan Mitchell? Like, we need, like, yeah, what they, no like, what, what, like, in golf and tennis, we need, like, individual rankings now. And we need to just keep people on their levels. Like, let's get our protractors out, define <laughs> these lines properly and the proper angle, and make sure we don't take shots at the wrong dudes. KD, last year, had 18 double-doubles, spider three. Last year, four triple-doubles, spider none. 25, 25 mm. 30-point games, spider three. <laughs> four 40-point games, spider donut. Man, stop playing. And he be getting hurt. <laughs> like, if he's not hurt, he always look like he about to get hurt. Like, he be out there just laboring. I love him. He's a beast. But, dog, we played the game before. We can't let everybody in the same section at the club. Like, you got to be a gin pop. You got to be over there by the bar, by the bartender, by security, by the bathroom. KD in the building. Clear the way. Let Durant through. Oh, man. Here's my thing, though, because y'all starting to get too emotional with this take. Can we level this down with some facts, please? Hello. Go ahead and hit these boys with some numbers. Oh. Because as I look at these last three years, just look at some numbers, y'all. Yeah. Spidey's games played compared to KD's. So now we can look at points per game and just talk averages as well. KD averaging 28, Spidey averaging 25. 
You want to talk about the postseason games played. Obviously, Spidey played more points per game. KD 32, Spidey 31. Sell, you really acting like Spidey got to be sitting in the economy seats. He's at least sitting in business. KD might be in first, but he at least back there with <laughs> no, that curtain no, right there. No, that's premium economy. Right. You ain't fooling nobody. <laughs> they got four sections on this flight. <laughs> KD ain't even on the flight. He got like, a private. <laughs> the numbers as it stands based off offensive output are just too similar for y'all to neglect taking Spidey for the next four years like who do you think will be better a 38 year old Durant or a 28 year old Spidey Mitchell I'm just like come on y'all y'all are too narrow-minded as it stands right now in the present whoa I can't help we're we're, we're talking about their age yeah, I also want to talk about their size and their build yeah Donovan Mitchell one of the reasons he gets hurt is he has to play on the edge all the time because he's 6'1 he's often referred to as a point guard but how – the average is, what, four and a half assists a game? Like, he's just – he's in this gray area. I admire what he has done. And one of the reasons I've given him a pass up until now is because of what GMs told me when they interviewed him going into the draft. They talked about his character. They talked about, like, one of the best guys that they've ever talked to. And so even though I saw the flaws in his game and I had concerns about his size and the position he plays, I thought, you know what, that character's going to win out. But then I saw how he handled the whole Rudy Gobert COVID issue. And I've been hearing the drumbeat of he wants out of Salt Lake City Mm. and just watching the dynamics and the body language and the chemistry with his teammates. And I've begun to question the reason that I was allowing him more time to show me what he could be in full. I don't have to do that with KD. KD has shown me what he's capable Mm. of Mm. being in full. And you're telling me, I look... That, that old thing about bird in the hand versus two in the bush. Like, KD, man, has demonstrated to me what he's capable of. Donovan Mitchell is still, we're still waiting to see exactly what he's capable of and whether he can get there. Yeah, man, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to just look at their resumes. And then people are going to say, oh, what the age, factor that in. You're right. So the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. Let me use the last four years as just a sample size to get me started. I don't see one category that Donovan Mitchell beats him in. To your point, Slick, like, not even assists. Kevin Durant, seven feet. What about games played, Uh, Sal? Games played? What about games played? Yeah, well, Westbrook played more games than LeBron and AD. You want him the next four years over LeBron and AD, too? That's what we're doing now? Uh, Participation points. That's what we're doing? Nah, man. Look, he a monster, too. He a beast. (laughs) But, bruh, we on different planes, and we landing at different destinations. Coming up, so you're saying there's a chance Jimmy G could be back with the 49ers again? Tell you if that will be bad for one play, Trey Lance. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Glad Marcellus was The writing appears to be on the wall that Trey Lance will start for the 49ers next season, but... Jimmy Garoppolo is still rehabbing from his shoulder surgery, and he has not been traded yet. 49ers legend Steve Young says, quote, there's still a chance Jimmy is on the team. I think we need to recognize that Slick is here, but Acho will bring him back. Jimmy G be bad for Trey Lance. Not at all. The greatest thing that I think will happen for Trey Lance's career is starting his career on the bench. Remember, he is just now 22 years of age. When I think about the great quarterbacks in NFL currently playing, they all started on the bench. Patrick Mahomes behind Alex Smith. 
Tom Brady starting on the bench behind Drew Bledsoe. You think about Aaron Rodgers starting on the bench behind Brett Favre. When you think about the greats historically that had to be thrust into starting right away, they took their lashes. Peyton Manning, one of the greatest ever, but remember, he led the NFL in interceptions because he had to start right away. Josh Allen, he started week two, and as a result, we were questioning whether or not Josh Allen was a capable quarterback or overrated coming out of Wyoming after his first year. Whereas you think about Lamar Jackson, he didn't have to start right away. He had about nine, ten games to sit behind Joe Flacco, hit the ground running. Baker Mayfield, for what you want to talk about him now, remember he was a rookie of the year offensively because he did not have to start right away. When I think about Trey Lance, the best thing that will happen for his career going forward is not having to play right away because if you do have to play right away, you will likely struggle. Don't struggle. A fool learns from his own mistakes. A wise man <laughs> learns from the mistakes of others. Wow. Trey Lance, be wise. Learn from the mistakes of those that play ahead of you. All right, so, so just to be clear, you're suggesting that Jimmy G is not only going to be on the roster, but he's going to be playing ahead of Trey Lance? Sir, yes, sir. This With season? Mm. is Okay. I, uh, I believe that it's not bad to have Jimmy G on the roster for Trey Lance as long as Kyle Shanahan acts as if Jimmy G is not on the roster. Mm. I see this as the Warriors, excuse me, the Warriors, the 49ers making the play that the Browns, the Cleveland Browns did not with Baker Mayfield in that we're going to hold on to Jimmy G because we know at some point a quarterback's going to go down and chances are a quarterback's going to go down on a team that is hoping to do something meaningful or significant this season. And the value of Jimmy G is then going to be much, much higher than it is right now. And that's been evidenced by the fact that they have not been able to move him. And certainly with all of the assets that they utilized for Trey Lance, they expected him to be playing already. And they can't afford not to have Trey Lance playing. And they can't afford to be bringing Jimmy G back and filling in for Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch can't afford that because when you uh, spend all of the assets that they did to move up to number three and you take a quarterback number three in today's NFL, you guys well know this. It's all well and good to say you're going to wait a year, (laughs) but a year at most is what you're going to wait. And that's probably longer than usual. So they can't afford to have Trey Lance to sit another season. He has to play and he has to be successful now because of what Kyle and John invested in him. So it's not bad if they're simply holding on to Jimmy G as an asset that they want to maximize. It's a whole different story. And even then, it's not bad for Trey. It's bad for Kyle and John if Jimmy G is there to do more than just spend him as an asset at some point this season. Yeah, I think it's smart to bring back Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, That's on you, Trey Lance. You haven't taken this position by storm in practice or what they've seen from you. So guess what? We need a safety net just in case. We need whatever you want to call them, a mentor. We need someone, a veteran in the room. We need a winner on the roster just in case. Just because we've seen you time and time again, rep and rep again, and they're not completely sold. It's pretty obvious at this point. And there's nothing wrong with that. Think about it. 
Like, if you were in charge of Cirque du Soleil, you know, and we all go to the shows, but we don't go to the practices. <laughs> and imagine if you saw somebody just keep falling off the high wire, try to do them flips, keep falling off, keep falling off. You're like, they, they stick it sometimes, but they fall off more times than not. You know what? During the show, guess what we're going to do? We're going to put a safety net up there. It's okay. People are still going to be caught up in how daring it looks. But it's okay to have Jimmy G there rehabbing and then getting healthy from his injury. It's just that simple. If... You can't kill Jimmy G up there. He a roach. He ain't going to never die up there in terms of what Jimmy G is to this franchise and what he's done, taking them to two championship games, one Super Bowl appearance. This is on you, Trey. You want Jimmy G out the building? Simple. You got to outball him. Slick, you are right when you say this day and age of the NFL quarterbacks got to play right away. Remember, up until Jordan Love, 30 out of 31 first-round quarterbacks played at least a game, started rather, a game their rookie years. So, Slick, you're not wrong at all about that. I just think sometimes going against the grain is better in the long run. Slick, I'll tell you right now, after work, I go home and your boy eat lunch. The thing is, I'll be so hungry for lunch that whatever the meal is, I'm throwing it in the microwave. Now, as you know, as Cell knows, <laughs> as I know, your food don't taste better if you throw that joint in the oven, Ugh. it's going to cook longer. It's going to cook from the mm. inside out. It's going to be hot for longer as opposed to if you just heat it real quick in the microwave and zap it with them mm. waves, if you will. <laughs> but it tastes better if you throw that joint in the oven. Mm. Slick Rick, I think go ahead and let Trey Lance cook in the oven. I understand we have a microwave mentality with yeah. our quarterbacks right now. We want them hot and ready, 30 seconds, quick, quick starter. But it's good for the long term for Trey Lance if he sits. He had his oven baked year, didn't he? <laughs> last year, that dude was in the oven yeah. last year. He, I mean, we going home now. Hey, Trey, you ain't ready yet? Like, it, it's that time. Think about it, Slick. The careers. I'm going to say some names and tell me if these guys had good careers. Like, if I'm Trey Lance, I would love to be uh, Matt Ryan. Started his first year, took his lumps, as you said, Acho, and Cam Newton. Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning. And then you got the new school in there, Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow, like, Trey, microwave or oven, <laughs> it's time to get cooking, big dog, up there in San Fran. Coming up, mm. should the Nets want Kyrie Irving back next season? We'll answer that next on Shake for Yourself. We've all heard the reports that Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn. But what about Kyrie Irving? New York Post reports Kyrie never asked for a trade, adding he has, quote, every intention of playing for the Nets with or without KD. Acho, should the Nets want Kyrie Irving back? Absolutely not. Not without a leader. And even if Kevin Durant were to come back, you don't want Kyrie without a leader. The only time Kyrie can maximize his abilities he has proven is when he has leadership on that roster like a LeBron James. So you are wasting Kyrie Irving's talent and potential, and Kyrie Irving is wasting your money if he is on your roster without a leader. Mm. That's not the best way to maximize <coughs> Kyrie Irving and who Kyrie Irving is. But let's get to the nitty-gritty for time's sake. The only reason Kyrie Irving wants y'all is because of $47 million. If not for the $47 million option in which he opted into, Kyrie Irving does not want you, Brooklyn. Oh, Steve Nash. Kyrie Irving definitely doesn't want you. He said that they don't even need a coach. He can run uh, uh, the coaching position, if you will, by himself. So mm. when I think about it, nah, I don't want Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving didn't want me, mm. one. Mm. Part two, 
Kyrie Irving is not a baller without a leader. What yeah. I mean is his balling does not translate into winning. When he was in Boston, there was no leader. Tatum, Smart, Brown were all young, so to speak. Yeah. When he's in Brooklyn, there's no leader. Kevin Durant has self-proclaimed he don't want to be a leader. He's just a hooper. Like Marcel said, Marcel <laughs> says he's a purist. When you think about him in Cleveland, that was the only time Cleveland with LeBron. Because Cleveland without LeBron, Kyrie was getting buckets but getting no wins. Cleveland with <clears> LeBron, <throat> that is when he won. Kyrie needs a leader. I don't want him back if I ain't got a leader with him. Mm, strong, brother. Strong, brother. Strong. Uh, Kyrie got 37 option. Westbrook got that 47.3. Good Lord. Flipped. Um, here's the thing. No KD, no Kyrie, no Jay-Z front row. It's in the court. No championships. Blow it up. Oh, no, we don't. Because that's getting too far away from the business model. What's happening across town in New York? The Knicks are trying to build up a roster, right? The Knicks are going to go get Spider Mitchell. The Knicks ain't going to win a championship. But the Knicks know what the business model is. Put people in these seats. Put some meat in the seats. We still need entertainment value. Kyrie is still entertainment value. He's polarizing, and he's still buckets, 27, 6, and 5, even last year. So here's the business model. Can we win a championship if KD's gone and just Kyrie here? Hell no. Well, let's just run it back with Kyrie and bring back at least entertainment value. Because if not, peep game, you're in New York right now. And not right now, because it's hot out there. Let's win it get cold. You got to go to Barclay. And you're going to go watch Ben Simmons. And we're going to go watch Seth Curry. Like, respect. But that is not a business model. At least let's start from the ground level of he's going to give you something to watch. Mm -hmm. If you don't have any other superstar with him, there's no chance of a championship. But don't abandon the entire business just because you can't win the chip. But the question is, are you sacrificing your ultimate objective or your ultimate goal? You know you're not going to win a chip with Kyrie. So every year you have Kyrie on the roster without a leader on the roster, you're just wasting time from winning a chip. So it's like while Kyrie is going to sell tickets, if the ultimate end game is to win a chip, you're wasting time keeping him unless you got a leader on the roster. So I feel you sell when you're like, hey, keep Kyrie because at a minimum sell tickets, bring Jay-Z to the stands, et cetera, et cetera. But that's going to rob you your long-term goal of winning a chip just for the mm-hmm. sole short-term pleasure of selling tickets. Now, put yourself in that superstar position who still has one more year on this deal, whoever it may be. Maybe LeBron. And he's sitting there with that player option. Kyrie hasn't committed. And then you watch him play this year, and he commits. And they lose, but he commits. Then you're sitting there like, nah, you know what? I may go to New York, Brooklyn, and be with Kyrie because now I know he's always going to be buckets, but now he's committed. Like, I think this is almost a PR year for Kyrie Irving if he stays in Brooklyn. You bring up a great point, but let me ask you this. I don't know that, relatively speaking, Kyrie Irving will ever be committed to the game of basketball. There's a reason I say relatively speaking, (laughs) because playing 50 out of 82 games isn't a commitment when you got guys like Russell Westbrook who played 78. Say it. So... We might be hoping for a committed Kyrie, but I don't think that's in Kyrie's DNA anymore. He, it's just not his priority. Mm. Like, basketball is just not his priority. Yeah. So, for that reason, if he ain't committed to me, I'm not committed to him. Well, i tell you what my, my priority is if I'm the Nets, the owner. I got to make some money. If we True. ain't going to win no chips, I ain't True. throwing away everything. Got to get some dough. Coming up, Lamar Jackson got into a serious, I mean serious, Twitter beef with a former Raven yesterday. Tell you if the criticism on Lamar was out of line. That's next on Stick for Yourself. Lamar Jackson was recently not named the top 10 quarterback in a recent survey. Well, former Raven safety Bernard Pollard started a big Twitter battle, posting in part that no top wide receivers will want to come to Baltimore while Lamar is there. Hmm. 
former MVP. Clap back. Saying Pollard only got a Super Bowl ring because of Ray Lewis and Ned Reed. I chose Bernard Pollard's criticism of Lamar out of line. Yo, I spent 15 minutes on this one yesterday, a deep dive. Um, The problem was not with the message that Bernard Pollard sent out. The problem was with the messenger of Bernard Pollard. Like, he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. He is a Ravens alum, so to speak. Mm. He is a former Baltimore Raven. So you should always ride for the young guns that come after you because you are the old head that came before them. So Bernard Pollard, you are just not the right person to deliver the message. Uh, uh. Is the message completely inaccurate? No, I don't think so. Because truth be told, if you are a stud wide receiver in free agency, I would not want to join the Ravens offense. Not because the offense is not Mm. prolific, Mm. but because the Ravens offense is not going to lead to wide receivers having huge yardage. Thus, it's not going to lead to wide receivers having huge paydays. And in the NFL, you go somewhere in free agency to get paid or eventually to ball so that you can go get paid. So Bernard Pollard wasn't really tripping. Think about Hollywood Brown. Him and Lamar Jackson as close as can be, but even Hollywood Brown was like, look, based upon this Greg Roman-based system, I got to go so that I can really go get mine because my rookie deal is coming to a close, and it's time for me to get some coins. Mm. So Bernard Pollard's message was not totally inaccurate, but him as a messenger, it's just almost like, hey, what you saying that for? Uh, Okay, I'm going to put one of them up because I was about to come out blasting, but I still got another one over here. Come on, Bernard Pollard. It's both. It's the message and the messenger. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Because as a former player, one, when you're talking about your former franchise and team, tread carefully, True. right? That part. And he didn't do that. Now, I'm not going to call him reckless, but this is what he did. We all know when the game's over who lost us the game on our team, right? But we all go to the podium, and 99.9% of the time we do podium speak. Cover for him. We cover. Okay. There's all kind of ways you could broadcast a message. On television, you clean it up somewhat. You go to the podium, you clean it up a lot. And then there's this channel, we call it Channel Zero. Former players all have me and you talk off air about. It's called Man I Heard. And Man I Heard is not for everybody to hear. But North Paula went Man I Heard. Now, that's a rigged argument against Lamar Jackson. You want to know why? Because two things happen with top receivers. Either they get extensions where they are and they ain't available, or they go somewhere where they're desperate to prove their quarterback is something, Tua and Tyreek Hill, or we need to get over this little hump right here, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. You don't get this kind of unanimous MVP. Oh, yeah, a top receiver going to come to a run-dominant offense by Greg Roman. It's not happening. So it's such a rigged argument. He's talking about two people potentially in the world, and those two people didn't go there, and now he's going to put that on Lamar Jackson because he heard. You know what? You actually just enlightened me. Um, I don't come into conversations closed-minded. I really do come looking to learn, and you just taught me. Top wide receivers don't go where the greatest quarterback is. Come on, you can't. Top wide receivers go where the money is. Mm -hmm. But the money is only spent on a team that cares to have a top wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So the, un, the argument is actually undermined. The, reven, the reason the Ravens aren't going to get a top wide receiver is not because of Lamar Jackson. It's because the Ravens don't care to have a top wide receiver. Thus, they're never going to pay a top wide receiver. That's why the, re, that's why the Ravens aren't actually going to get a top wide receiver because they don't care to get one because they don't care to spend the money on one. And that's why Hollywood left. Because <laughs> he's like, no matter what I do here, they're not going to pay me. They're not going to pay me. And it's hard to do it here to even get paid. Yeah, Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, Paula, good. you know better than that, dog. You played too long. Coming up, Andre Iguodala has heard enough from Russell Westbrook's critics. 
tell you if it's all gone too far. Next, don't speak for yourself. Really good point. That's a really good point. A lot of fingers, a lot of fingers pointed at Russell Westbrook as the reason why the Lakers struggled last year. Well, Andre Iguodala has heard enough saying he gets, quote, pissed when the media talks about trade packages for Russ that get declined. He had a quote, what are you really trying to do to this man? What did he do to y'all? Acho, that's Russell Westbrook criticism going too far. I wish we had more time for this. Yeah, It hasn't gone too far. It came too late. So now everybody's shocked by the Westbrook criticism. If we're being honest, Westbrook, based on his style of play, probably should have and could have been criticized much sooner, much louder. Mm. Think about how we've criticized Lamar Jackson, who we're now talking about. Can't win a Super Bowl, can't win a Super Bowl, won't win a Super Bowl like that. But Lamar Jackson heard criticism from the day he stepped into the NFL. Mm. Russell Westbrook was immune to criticism while he was in OKC because he was Mr. Triple-Double. Three years straight, hadn't seen anything like it since Oscar Robertson. Then he wins an MVP. He's the star in OKC. Mm. But now you come to the Lakers, and now we're criticizing you, and he's not used to it because he hasn't had it before to this type of potency. I don't think it's too much. I think it came too late. Wow. I I certainly agree with you. It hasn't gone too far. The dude is going to start this year. Has $47.3 million on the books. And people are calling him Westbrook and he shoots the best he shot in the last decade. So none of this makes any sense and none of this is going to add up to hurting Westbrook as long as he has the mental resolve, which I think he does. But Iggy's coming to his defense. I come to his defense as well. Like, what does it mean if they talk bad about you? If you're living so good, I see you, was. That's it for us, Women's Copa America Soccer. Next.